Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. We're going to talk some more USC Trojan football with the coach Harvey Hyde. We wanted to wait until after all the coaches' interviews happened on Tuesday, so we delayed Coach Hyde's show by a couple of days this week. We're going to get his reaction to the car wash, I guess you could say, of all the assistant coaches meeting the local media for the first time, along with Graham Harrell. So seven assistant coaches. In total, we got to talk to yesterday. So we'll talk to the coach about that. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde, Instagram at Coach Harvey Hyde, or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. If you have any questions or comments for us for the show, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. Call or text also if you'd like to leave a voicemail or send us a text, 424-254-9141 is the number. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, tune in. Megaphone, anywhere you can get a podcast, you can get the Parasol podcast. So we thank you very much. Entering our 13th season covering the Trojans. And Coach Harvey Hyde's been there every step of the way. What's up, Coach? How are you? Well, another beautiful day in Southern California. Spring practice is not far away. So I'm excited about everything that's going on. Football season just never goes away, Ryan. It's always here. It's always here. It doesn't go away. And I'm getting a little excited. I know some of the fans weren't and all this stuff, but... Just meeting all of those coaches yesterday and being able to talk to them, to me, Coach, it just seemed like a much different vibe than what we've seen in the past. Uh, everyone brought a different level, you know, different sense of energy, but there was a constant, you know, th- theme about you know attacking and being aggressive and physicality and violence, and it seemed more football-y, I guess you could say, Coach, to me than. Maybe some of the other talk, which would have been more like seven-on-seven talk. This seemed like a bunch of guys that want to go out and hit people playing football, and these are the coaches. Well, you have football coaches here, Ryan. We've talked about that all all along. You've heard me talk about it. This isn't something that just started with our conversations on this podcast. I think for the last five years, six years, whatever, I've been talking about that all along, and even on the offensive side of the football, which we need to get more discussion on, on how they're planning on doing that physically. But on the defensive side, you've got a lot of hype. You've got a lot of enthusiasm. You've got guys that coach the game. They've got experience. They love the game. They played the game. And they're college football guys. And I think it's very important to have local guys like Williams and other guys that believe in the tradition of USC football, have recruited and coached against USC, know the potential of USC, and know what the game is all designed to be. It's designed to be a physical football game. It never was designed to be anything but that. And uh, with the rule changes and so on, it's, uh, there's ways that you can still be physical, but with play within the structure of the rules. So uh, I think it's good that you and everybody has that feeling when someone else more than me explains it to everybody. I think that people that out there that know the game of football understand exactly what these coaches are talking about. And I think this is what's been lacking for the last several years at USC. And I think now it may be coming back. Uh, you can talk it. But you got to show it. And how do you do it? And how do you do it against a 
suppose that I think they should take the title of air raid offense off the offense, call it offense, USC offense, and and incorporate what it takes to do to be physical and throw the football. Do a little bit of both, but why call it just one faction of the game of football? Make it all inclusive. Yeah, I agree with you, Coach. Well, let's, I want to get your thoughts on what the coaches had to say, and maybe we'll just split up the three categories. We'll start with the defense first. Uh, four new defensive coaches. You had Todd Orlando. He went first, the defensive coordinator. You had Craig Niver, who I thought did a really good job. He's the safeties coach. He's coached special teams before. Uh, he's also uh, you know, been a recruiting coordinator before. Brings a lot, lot of recruiting acumen to the staff and worked with Todd Orlando at Texas. Uh, and then a couple outsiders, I guess, from from that group. Dante Williams, who you mentioned, coming down from Oregon. He's you know really strong in the Pac-12, was a national recruiter in the year for the Pac-12 last year for Oregon. And then Vic Sooto, who... Uh, was with Bronco Mendenhall throughout his career, played at BYU, coached at Virginia for the last three seasons. Younger guy, uh, he's 32 years old, but he's got five kids. Uh, he's you know he's a he's a grown man, but hasn't been doing this that long. He's been three years uh, as a coach because he uh, he spent some time in the NFL. But man, I was I was impressed with all of these guys, coach, and violence and physicality was just kind of a constant theme. What did you? take from, from meeting all those guys and, and, and listening to all those guys? Well, I, I didn't uh, listen to them, but what I did was watch and read all of everything that you had on the website, which really broke it down well, Ryan. I wasn't there, and I think you did a great job. And for people that missed that, they had to go back and, and check it. But uh, I, I, I thought they're all on the same page. And I think it's important to be on the same page with the same philosophy. You don't hear one guy saying one thing, another one saying another, and another one saying something else. They all, uh, well, the same, they had every word in the same sense, exactly the same, said a different way. And I think this is very important because they have what you call a philosophy, what their identity is supposed to be. And we've talked about identity. What is your identity? What are you supposed to look for? Who are you supposed to be? What are you supposed to be known for? And I think they're setting the stage for the defense as far as the players listening to them, the media listening to them, and people who love football listening to them to see exactly how they're going to do this and can they turn it around to be that type of defense and be solid, be technique strong. Uh, they have the personnel, I think, to play this type of defense. And I love uh, some of the illustrations that they're not afraid to use and talk about as far as trying to uh, tell you exactly what they mean when they say physical defense. I think those, these are things that uh, kids like to hear too. I think kids like to hear their coach be enthusiastic about what he believes in. And I think that as uh, the defensive line coach mentioned, they're going to dislike me before they like me. But I think that that's the way it's supposed to be. You don't have to uh, show kindness for weakness in the same way the other way. They respect you. When you coach the game the way it's supposed to be played and you're fair and you're teaching them how to win, that's what kids want to do and what they want to learn, no matter what you uh, think. So I think that their philosophy is all on the same page. They're saying the same thing. And I think that's good because you're hearing the same song uh, being played by everyone in the uh, band. Yeah. Like it, I think the fact that you had two guys come from Texas that we mentioned, Orlando and Niver, they're close. But I felt like they were all, like you said, on the same page. I felt they were all together. There was like a sense of unity bringing in a Dante Williams who's a really good recruiter, a very gregarious guy. And he was like, 
He's like, hey, I got a great personality, but Niver, man, he takes the cake. Um, and and having a guy like Vic Soto, who basically DM'd Todd Orlando after the Super Bowl, followed him and, and got a follow back, and uh, they started up, you know, struck up a conversation. And he gets to come back out here. He's originally from Oceanside, even though they, you know, three of the guys that haven't worked on the same staffs, it just seems like that fit together really well so far. Well, I agree with you hundred percent because first of all, these coaches understand what USC is all about. Uh, you take Williams, he grew up in Southern California. He wished he could have been a Trojan. He always wanted to be a Trojan. He wouldn't have left Oregon no matter what excuses he says, uh, but he wants to come back because be a part of a team that he always wanted to be a part of when he grew up in Southern California. And I love the way he never in any way says anything negative about the university of Oregon in all of his uh, talks or interviews. And then you've got other coaches uh, like the defensive line coach who grew up in Carlsbad. He knew what USC was all about. He read about it. Junior Seau, some relation to him, I don't know exactly where it is, uh, played there. He grew up watching it as a family and so on. He knew exactly what USC is all about, and he takes it as a, a prideful thing that he can't believe himself that he's at USC. And I think he's prideful of what he's doing. And the University of Texas coaches, I mean, they know the potential of USC and the type of football team they should be. They looked at film on them the last couple of years and know exactly the type of athletes they have. And I think they'll be good recruiters, but you wouldn't be at Texas unless you're a good recruiter. Before, you had so-so people that believed in recruiting. And I, like you've er always heard me say, you might be a great coach, but you don't look very good when you don't have any players. These guys understand that message. I think they understand that we won't be as good as we think we can be, but we can be pretty good with great players. We motivate, motivate them and teach them the game of football. I think this is exactly what they're doing, and I think they won't run players away with this type of talk. They'll, they'll get players with this type of talk, but this is what players have been wanting to hear. Yeah, no, I think the, this is one of those situations where Maybe you're you're a you're a kid and your babysitter lets you eat cookies and stay up all night. But at some point, you crave that discipline and you want to be told what to do. And I think you know with the the amount of talent USC had on defense last year, coach, something was missing. I mean, the linebackers didn't perform anywhere near where they should have. It just seemed like it wasn't quite there. Now you're going to put a situation where there's going to be more discipline. There's going to be more accountability. I think they're going to practice harder, more toughness, violence, you know, all of that. I, I think this is something, like you said, maybe the players, like with Vic Zoloto said, like it, they may hate him right now, but I think they're going to love him, uh, you know, once you get the, the season rolling along and they, they kind of buy into the philosophy. No, I agree with you, too. And, and Ryan, you know, in the past, there's you've heard me talk on the podcast and other shows that, you know, it wasn't just uh, – the defensive players, uh, the defense wasn't sound. They not, they didn't have any contained. You heard me talk week after week out of their uh, the defensive philosophy. They didn't have any ed ru uh, edge rushing. They didn't do the things. Their coverages weren't sound. A lot of things on that defense that didn't allow the players to perform. I didn't think they had the players in the right position. You heard me talk about that many times. So with this staff now coming in with their philosophy and so on, they've got to get the right players in the right position where they can perform the defense that Todd Orlando wants to run, and they're going to coach. So I think it's very important. You'll see a lot of this as far as movement, I think, in the spring, as far as trying players at different positions, testing their skills, their speed, and different type of techniques they need to learn to play his defense. 
But it isn't like he hasn't played this defense before. He knows this defense, and he knows what he's looking for. And I think that's really important to know what it takes to put this puzzle together, and I think they'll be able to do it. I do too, Coach. Let's move to the offensive side of the ball. So the one new offensive coach was actually an analyst on the staff last year, John David Baker, a longtime friend of Graham Harrell, the offensive coordinator. So we got to hear from John David Baker. He's the tight ends coach, but also from Graham Harrell, and he answered a bunch of questions about you know the jobs that he was interviewing for and why he wants to stick around USC some stuff about the offense and, you know, being the quarterback stuff, being an open competition. But I kind of want to focus on the John David Baker stuff because there's, you know, you got some talent at this tight end spot. He really loves Daniel Armato Bebe. You know, he's coming back. You got three seniors, um, some guys coming, young guys coming back from injury. But, you know, this was a group that only caught 15 passes last year as a whole. And we talked to John David Baker all about a lot of that stuff. So what, what were your thoughts on, how maybe the tight, what he said and, and how the tight end could be utilized in this offense. Well, I think he said some things that uh, woke the tight ends up, but he's got to follow through with that. He talked about how they use the tight end a lot at North Texas and different things. Well, you know, these tight ends uh, have heard that before, not just last year, but the last several years, they've never used really their tight ends very much. In fact, I made the comment, I don't know why a tight end would go there, and I thought a lot of the tight ends would go into the portal and leave because they weren't being used or utilized. So now, since they're making this statement, they've got to follow through with it. You don't say things as a coach, and this is why I was very careful in having my assistant coaches doing media uh, interviews. When you say things, you hear that. You just mentioned it to me, Ryan, and the first thing you're looking at now is they're going to use the tight ends. You're making that statement. Well, the players hear that same type of statement. So when you go out there for spring practice and you start putting things in and doing what's uh, going on, you want to see some change. You want to see what you said to me, Coach. You said we're going to utilize the tight end. So let's see how they're going to utilize the tight end. Now, if they utilize the tight end, some, there's going to be other adjustments that have to be made in the offense. What is that going to be? So there's a lot of things that you talk about doing you better do, and this is why you have to be very careful and these type of interviews, because if you make statements, we talk about it, the kids listen to it, and then if you don't follow through and throw the ball or run some type of tight end offense where they're involved in the football game, you have made a statement that you have not told the truth. Yeah. Um, what about the offense in general? Uh, Graham Harrell talked about the health of, of JT Daniels, that usually you're not coming back this quickly from a knee injury like that. Keen Slovis ended up hurting his arm in the uh, Holiday Bowl. It seemed a little questionable if he would be able to go. It might be a Matt Fink show uh, in the spring. But in general, even though Keaton Slovis played very well, uh, down, especially down the stretch, Graham Harrell talked about it's you know this. There's only one spot, so there's always going to be a competition. I, wh- what did you think about what he said there? Well, I feel this way. I would be doing uh, the same thing if they were our quarterbacks. Uh, you certainly don't want to lose a quarterback in the spring, especially two that have been uh, injured. So you want to protect them. You want to make sure they're protected. And as he said, uh, he'll only go as far as what the medical staff will allow him to do. And I think he's very smart in doing that. And I think also the defensive side of the football has got to understand that this guy's on your team too. And you can't injure this guy. When you have a chance to sack him, you can touch him or you run by him. You leave him alone. Because you injure your quarterback by trying to get your name out there and make a great play, and you've hurt the entire team by you trying to be a half-speed All-American. That's what I used to call them, half-speed All-American. So 
what you've got to do is protect these two guys and bring them along. And there's no reason why they should be ready to play in the fall. And Matt Fink will get most of the live stuff, I would think. And I think that a lot of controlled stuff, controlled stuff, the other two guys will get, as far as Kendon will get more than JT, and they'll come along. But you remember, you've got to protect those guys and take care of them. And you're probably the transfer guy from Vanderbilt will step in to give Matt Fink a break on, and a lot of live work and so on. But I think that that's important to protect those guys. They're on your team. You can't take a chance of losing one of these quarterbacks in the spring. You can't. And uh, I'm curious to see, you know, they do want to run a real spring game. Um, so they talked about that in the press release. So there was a, it was a busy day on Tuesday. In the morning, they did a press release saying that all the spring practices would be open. The spring game on April 11th, I believe it is, that the spring showcase would be a real game. It's not going to be just a, you know, lame practice. It's going to be something real. But it, I think it's going to depend a lot on the health, especially of the quarterbacks. It might only be, Two healthy guys, if you had Keaton Slovis and, and Matt Fink, maybe they'll each run a team or something. I'm not sure how that's going to work out, but uh, that release came out, and then we were sitting in the room with those coaches for seven interviews, each one about 20 minutes or so. Um, but it took, you know, by the time we got through, it was, you know, two hours and 20 minutes or something worth of interviews. So it was a, it was a really productive day, and I was really happy that they they did it. But, you know, that's kind of where we are now. The last coach we got to talk to, Coach, and uh, maybe – uh, because I've harped on special teams so much, uh, maybe this was the, one of the more interesting ones for me. But Sean Snyder, last thirty years he's been at Kansas State, four as a player, twenty six as you know in the athletic department as a coach, you know all that stuff. He's worked there forever. Um, you know his dad, legendary Bill Snyder, of course, uh, was the coach there for a while. He's been three times named the special teams coordinator of the year. You know, Craig Niver said great things about him because when he coached against him at Texas and he was doing special teams, he's just like, yeah, those guys are just sound. He had some really great answers, I thought. Uh, what were your thoughts on what uh, Sean Snyder had to say? Well, let me tell you this. Let me go back one step and then I'll get with Sean. Sure, uh, okay. Because I'll tell you, I think he's a superstar. I've been saying that all along, and I think it's a great move for him. But he's got to get out of Kansas State. He's been there a long time, as you know, with his dad and so on. It's time for him to have his own identity and prove he can do it somewhere else without his dad around. I think it's a great move for him. He's a great coach, and he'll be, pro he'll be proving that. But, you know, when you talk about in the spring what you can do on the offensive side of the football is you can learn to be tough on football on the offensive side. You don't have to pass the ball every down. You work on things you have to improve. On. And your quarterback doesn't have to get hit and sacked and so on. So you work on the running game a lot this spring. You run the football a lot over and over. Your play-action pass, you do the different things that you do to get better because that's something USC has to get better at, running the football. They pass the football fine. So in this spring, what they got to do, they talk about being physical and so on. Well, what you do this spring is you let your kids know we're going to be a physical football team and we're not going to go out and throw the football every day. We've got two quarterbacks that are proven, and we've got receivers that can catch the ball. We know that. We could do that on seven-on-seven. On seven. We're going to run the football in team. And you bring that philosophy into that huddle or on the line of scrimmage. They don't huddle. And, and, and make it a point. We're going to run the football when it's third and one. We're going to run the football when we're on the goal line and it's second and two. We're going to run the football, and we're going to do it over and over and over and this doesn't jeopardize your quarterbacks as far as injuring them, but it does emphasize a way of getting better as a football team offensively and defensively 
but you're making your defense tougher too, which they need to do to play the type of football that they're talking about playing. And the offense might as well grow with the defense. So there's a lot of things you can do in the spring when you have two quarterbacks that are injured that can make your team a better football team offensively, especially with a lot of the philosophies that you put into it, whether you go under center, different things that you need to do. You can really emphasize a lot of that in the spring. So I wanted to answer, it's not just, well, we can't do anything in the spring because our quarterbacks are hurt. No, you can do a lot of things in the spring to improve on the things you're not very good at. That makes you sense. Can prove, you can yeah. throw the football. Now, as far as Sean is concerned, I think it's a great move for him. I think it's a great move for him to get out of Manhattan. He's been there a long time under the shoulder and eyes of his dad. I think he's a great coach. I think he brings everything to USC. I think uh, you heard uh, everybody grave about him yesterday. Texas coaches have played, and I think, uh, I remember there was a period of time at Kansas State. I think Kansas State beat Texas five years in a row, and how can that happen with the recruiting that Kansas State does? That's because they coach, and that's because they don't make mistakes. You heard him comment when I think we should have 11 people on the the field. We have 11 people on the field, not 10, not 9. But 11, and that's my job to make sure that happens. And uh, you heard him comment on that and make those type of uh, comments. So he understands what his role is. And the players will understand what their role is. And they'll have pride in playing special teams. I don't know if he'll have the time John Baxter has, because I don't think he needs the time. But he knows what he's doing. He wants his players to be fresh. He wants them to look forward in working on special teams. I think in the past at USC... It became boring to be on the special teams, unless it did for at least it did for me. I don't know how you felt on the sideline watching practice, but it was a lull in practice. Everything went flat. Yeah. So I think that special teams should be a lively part of practice. No, I think you're right there, Coach. And it, there was the kind of a theme that way where the question was a lot of the questions that the media were asking was about like. Hey, why was this so bad last year? And to the, you know, if you're a new coach coming in, you can't really talk about what happened last year. It makes sense. But one of the things that was happening consistently year after year, and our shotgun Spratling would would count this, he would look at every play, and I think seven or eight times per season, USC would send out not enough guys on a special teams play. It would be nine or ten guys. And Snyder was asked about that, like, what's your, you know, thought on only having 10 people in the field for special teams. And, and he actually mentioned the nines, like 10's not good. Nine's not good. Um, so it's almost like he was aware of, yes, this has happened here. Um, and it seemed pretty simple to him. It's like, we have a philosophy, we have a you know system in place where this is what we do to make sure that that doesn't happen. But he was like, that is not acceptable. And I guess that's as much condemning of the previous regime as you could do, where he's telling you, look, that doesn't happen to my to my stuff. Now maybe no one was counting, and maybe it does happen. I don't know, but it's we know that consistently happened at USC, uh, and I, I you just get the feeling talking to Sean Snyder, it was like, yeah, that that would never happen under my watch. Well, it shouldn't, and as a head football coach, you don't allow it. I, I would have sent John Baxter out there and made him play the position that's missing. I'm just telling you, those type of things make you look. What do you want to say? Uh, make you look embarrassing or to look... Like unprofessional or I don't know. Just not like you're doing your job. I didn't want to use the word I wanted to 
I was thinking of, okay? Okay. Those things don't happen. But on the sideline, I'd let people know what I thought about it. And it happened one time. It happened one time. But the guy that didn't go on the field, that was supposed to be on the field, if the coach told me he told him to go on the field, he wouldn't play anymore. I said, we're giving you a chance to play in the special teams. I guess you don't want to play. You're fooling around on the sideline. I mean, you don't hear when we say punt team or field goal team, whatever. You don't need to play anymore. Go down in the sandbox. Go to play in the sign-back box with your, or wave to the fans in the stands or whatever you got to do. You got to put a stop to that stuff. That stuff should not happen. You don't get a second chance at something that makes a difference in a ball game. And you never know if that play is going to play that wins the ball, ball game or loses the ball game. So you can't tolerate that stuff. And in the past, a lot of that toleration has been happening, and you can't allow that to happen. Yeah, no, you can't, and uh, that's been one of the things. So that that was a bright spot to me. I also liked his philosophy about um, the kickoff return stuff. He loves returning kickoffs. USC returned, uh, I think, forty kickoffs last year. It was you know top twenty or something in the country. They they kind of slowed down later on the season. Actually, after I wrote that article, but the feeling I got from him, coach, was they do want to have the big plays. They, he wants to score touchdowns. They scored four touchdowns last year at Kansas State on kickoffs. They want to do that, but you can't do it at the expense of having eight screw-ups where you're getting the ball inside your 10 because of a penalty or things like that. He really sounded like penalties on special teams are not acceptable and you know guys making mistakes and, and, and leading to bonehead plays on special teams were not acceptable. Well, that's what his philosophy has always been under his dad. Uh, we're not going to beat ourselves, but they couldn't beat themselves. They didn't have the talent the other teams have had. But they just outfirst down them. They never made a mistake. They had maybe one or two penalties a game, and if they did, he he went ballistic. Uh, they they coach and take advantage of what they have, and they don't beat themselves. And I think this is exactly the philosophy that it'll bring. And people will learn from this. Not that they haven't learned from it, and other coaches don't understand it. But sometimes someone's got to make a real point of it, and he did. And I think that that's very important. That message has been sent out there because everybody hears it. It's not just the special teams. It's the offense. It's the defense. It's the other coaches. It all alerts them that, hey, someone's on top of this. Uh, We can't have these type of things happening on the defensive side of the ball or the offensive side of the ball either. We're all together on this type of thing. And, you know, uh, I'm not going to talk about Coach Clay Helton right now, but you don't even know if he's in town. Because right now the face of the program is the assistant football coaches. And I don't think that's really good either. I think the face of the program should be the head football coach. And I feel sorry for him not having the opportunity to interview with the press and talk about the coaches and do these different type of things. Because currently right now, he's, he's, he's not being involved in anything that's going on. And I don't think that's right. I want to throw that in there in case someone's listening. So because they committed to him as a head football coach well he's a head football coach he should still be the face of the program yeah um well that's i mean that's a really good point because the we we did hear from all the assistants we're not going to hear from clay helton as much during the spring i think he's only going to be available on saturday so we'll hear from him five times he'll probably speak maybe the first week i gotta look go back at the email like on that first tuesday but we'll hear from him more on saturdays we'll hear from the other guys but that's I think that's kind of the situation USC is in, Coach, because your head coach was on the hot seat. All the fans wanted him gone. And even though he wasn't fired, what the the focus was about improving everything around Clay Helton. So now that's kind of where the focus is. Last year was a lot of Graham Harrell. 
this year will be on most of those defensive coaches and and some Sean Snyder with special teams. But I kind of feel like that's what the program sort of has to do. If you're going to bring Clay Helton back and he's not very popular, you're going to be putting, you're touting these assistants as opposed to the head coach. That's exactly what they're doing. They're sort of trying to erase last year and uh, not having him out in front of the program currently right now, but bringing all the assistant coaches and the great hires they've made and all of the above as far as over over the recruiting year and over Coach Clay Helton and the unpopularity and all of that. They want people back and interested in the program. They want them out there. They've opened the practices, but they want people there to come out and watch the the Trojans practice. They're going to scrimmage. They say they're going to scrimmage and do the necessary things that they didn't do in the past, so we'll see what happens there. So these are the type of things that people are looking forward to as far as change is concerned. They want change, so they're trying to make these changes and show these changes to all the people that are going on. But again, I don't think it's right, too, to put him in the back seat of a car or put him away from the front of what he is, the face of the program. I don't think that's the right thing to do. He's a good man. And uh, if they've decided to keep him as the head football coach, then he should be the face of the program because he'll be the fall guy. If they don't happen to win, it's not because of the coaches, the defensive coaches and offensive coaches. It's because of Clay Helton. Yeah. And I don't like a guy getting set up for this. Yeah, uh, it's sort of inevitable, I guess, just because of the way the last two years have come together. Uh, and most, you know, 99% of the situations, the head coach wouldn't be there after going 13 and 13 with the number four roster in the country. That That's hard for the head coach to stick around. But because the USC athletic department was so screwed up, you're kind of there. Now, for the selling on the fans, you kind of have to sell these assistant coaches. And they sold them really well yesterday. But that is a really good point that this you need you still need Clay Helton to be the face of the program. Uh, and to be fair, all of the assistant coaches had glowing things to say about Clay Helton and how he handled, you know, hiring them and all that. And that wasn't very popular with the fans. I think everything the assistant coaches said the fans liked, except for the fact how much credit they gave to Clay Helton. Well, you better do that because it's loyalty that counts. And if you ever plan to work in the game of football, you better be loyal to your football staff and loyal to your head football coach. But nobody's going to hire you unless you're loyal to the man you're working for, okay? If you're not at USC or something happens. Loyalty is the number number one thing in anything you do. So you better show that loyalty 100%. And uh, I think that's what they're doing, and I think they're following a a script or a book that's been written, and uh, this is where they are now currently as far as getting ready for spring practice. All right, uh, we'll go to some questions. we got Bill in Connecticut. He's about spring football. When did this closed-door practice policy start and why? Back in the day, we often hung out watching the team practice, and I remember coaches coming over and talking to us about the players. For the so-called spring game, which was at the camp, which was at the campus field, we sat on the grass about two feet out of bounds, the players were fellow students, and during the winter, we played pickup basketball with some of the guys in the campus gym. Lived in the dorms with future NFLers. Got to know Fred Hill fairly well, one of the best players of that time, and a great human being, uh, Bill from Connecticut. I'll give my thoughts real quick, Bill. So it's definitely been a trend. Now, USC's been open for the most part, uh, especially during the Pete Carroll era. You could come out and watch practice all the time. Sanctions kind of changed the attitude around USC compliance sort of took over and they there weren't NCAA rules but the way you could interpret the rules it was more of like you know uh legalese and you could say well if 
if USC allows a media member to talk to a prospect or look at a prospect on campus, the NCAA could interpret that as we were facilitating the media to talk to prospects that aren't signed. So we're not going to let you do that. So there's different ways you can interpret things. So they've tried to keep everything separate. They didn't want fans out there for some reason. And now that's, they're starting to back off of that. But there's a couple of times when it was open and, and even to the media and during Lane Kiffin's like, you know, the year he got fired midway through the season, the tarmac year, he closed practices. Usually when things start to go poorly, they close practice last year. They go five, well, two years ago, five and seven. So they closed practices last year. We can't watch the whole thing. It's hard to blame yourself. You can blame, well, we'll, we'll shut the media out. Maybe that'll be different. Obviously that didn't make much of a difference. Um, but there, I think this new administration is trying to get back to that. At least right now, we know all the spring practices, except the very last one are open. They'll be open to the media. We can watch all the practice. So it's, it's changing back a little bit, Bill, but certainly not the, the, the days when you were there sitting on the sidelines for the spring game. No, that must have been a long time ago because I don't remember that happening. Some guy come out of bounds and wipe you and your family out. I'm telling you, that's been a long time ago. But uh, yeah, probably I don't even remember those days. Believe me. But that was a long time ago. And, you know, I think this new administration has more of an idea of what it's all about. I don't think Pat Hayden uh, or, you know, Lynn Swan had a clue. And I don't think they cared. And I think all of that. Uh, compliance and all of that was overdone. And I think Pat Hayden is the one that brought in all that and closed practices and started all of that. And he was going to do it his way and give him a real education and teach him what college was all about and all of the above. I mean, uh, you know, he was going to be the big change guy and uh, really nothing really changed except uh, whatever coaching (laughs) coaches uh, during that period of time. Then Lynn came in and Lynn, you know, Lynn came in and, and he didn't have any experience of much of being an athletic director or understand how the program worked. And he just let probably the head football coach do his thing and listen to the alumni as far as his past friends and so on, telling what they thought. And it wasn't being administered properly. But you got to have an athletic director and you got to have administrators that know what's going on. Not to say Steve Lopes didn't know what's going on. I like Steve Lopes. I think he did a great job. But he was the athletic director. At times, I thought he should have been the athletic director. Twice, I think he should have been the athletic director at USC, and they wouldn't have been in this type of situation because I think he was a great administrator and a great leader, and the players liked him, coaches loved him, and so on. But he was never given that chance. So, you know, uh, that's what I see, and I think that uh, opening practice is, is good, and I think it'll be refresh people to be able to come in there and, and see the Trojans practice, and I know I feel good about it. I know I feel good about it, and I know you feel good about it, Ryan. So I hope it continues that way. I don't believe it'll be that way in the the fall. I think it'll be a little bit different in the fall when you're game planning and getting ready to play people, but we'll see what happens. We will see. Um, All right, I got a couple. Now, I was running a little late today, Coach. We We had all our podcast equipment at USC. I had to kind of reinstall it in the office quickly there were a couple of voicemails that came in yesterday i haven't even listened to them yet i don't know what they are so hopefully they're good but i'm going to play the first one for you coach and just cross my fingers here you go hey guys it's frank from irvine class 2004 hey i wanted to get your guys take on the defensive coaches finally being um you know showcased to the media first helton not being there i think is 
pretty big statement that he's no longer coaching the team or really doesn't have an involvement, and we can just start calling him the mannequin. You guys can soften this up. But the fact that he didn't introduce his own coach is pretty telling of what's going on there. So with that said, I'm happy to say that I'm reengaged in this program because Helton's no longer the coach. Um, I just want to get your guys' take on that. Um, the coach is on, you know, they're saying the right things, but I guess we'll see. Take care. Fight on. Well, thank you very much. And uh, I think we touched on that a little bit. If you're able to listen to the first part of the podcast, I think we talked about all of that. And I think you had the same thoughts uh, that we did when we mentioned it and talked about it. And you're a little bit stronger as far as on your thoughts about Coach Clay Helton. And uh, they had the opportunity to make a change at USC. They didn't make that change at USC. And they decided to go a different way. And uh, they have. And I don't think it's right to put him in the back of the bus or wherever they're putting him as far as away from the fans, the media, and so on. I don't think it's fair. That's all. And uh, I think that uh, he's got great assistant coaches hired, but they got to be able to have leadership. Now, who's the, the leader of this football team? Who's the one that's the spokesman? Who's the one that uh, tells the coaches what's going on and what he likes in practice or doesn't like in practice or tells the coach, don't do that drill anymore because I don't like it or I don't like the way you're coaching that technique? Who does that? It's your head football coach. Yeah. You can't have your assistant coaches running the show. Are you telling me it'll be an all-out war as far as in staff meetings? You know, I want to do it this way. Oh, you spent too much time on this. That's not the way we were supposed to run that drill. I can just hear all that kind of stuff. You've never said in a staff meeting. I've been in a staff meeting before when coaches got up and want to fight each other because of their position and have the pride they have in their position and they're not getting the time or work or what they're supposed to have during certain drills. So you've got to have someone in control of the program and be able to be strong enough to control these guys. They're all aggressive guys. They're guys that played the game. They're guys that you know feel the way they talk. So you've got to have somebody in those meetings that can run these meetings properly. Yeah, I agree with you, Coach. And, I, you know, I don't feel – you can't say because Clay Helton didn't introduce all the new assistant coaches, he's not the head coach anymore. That's just not the case. He's the head coach. He is. I'm sorry to say that. You can be really impressed with the assistant coaches like we were, but you can't ignore the fact that Clay Helton is still the head coach of this team. So I know a lot of the fans don't want to hear that. They don't want him to be the head coach. Uh, we also had Hugh from Simi Valley – uh, it's a really long email. Hugh, you need to uh, post this on the message boards. But he ends it with he he thinks that we're being uh, loyal to the to uh, the the program and we're being too optimistic about it. He said, so if you're going to continue this form of loyalty at all costs in the ap- absence of all empirical evidence, the absolute sham of the recruiting classes we've had over the last two consecutive years, there are three words that that uh, another famous group who had blind loyalty to their leader had. Remember the Alamo, and that was uh, Hugh and Simi Valley, and just in general, guys, we get it. We, you know, none of us on this podcast on any of the shows have advocated that Clay Helton should still be the head coach at USC. But that ship has sailed. That what decision was made. You got to move on from it. You can't just say everything that happens from now on because Clay Helton wasn't fired is terrible. He could cure cancer. You're like, well, he's still the head coach. What we did yesterday was meet six really impressive assistant coaches. And it's words. It's not actions. Uh, we are seeing, but you get a feel for what these guys were like. The, the difference is these are guys that have done it before. 
at other places outside of John David Baker. Uh, the kind of experience that a Sean Snyder brings in. Uh, Todd Orlando, 15 years as a defensive coordinator and all in college. Uh, there's, you know, these guys that you know recruit like a Craig Niver or a Dante Williams, uh, a, a young unproven coach like uh, Vic Soto. But I um, mean, I was super impressed with him. They're saying the right things, and I feel like at this point you're got to give them the benefit of the doubt and see what happens going forward. So it's not like we're just there's not blind loyalty here. If they rolled out uh, a bunch of assistant coaches like we have in the past, where we were critical of. Uh, or why are they keeping this guy or whatever? We we've told you about it. This is a group that we haven't we haven't had the need to be critical of yet because it all looks good on paper. It looks good on what they've said, and we'll see how that translates uh, this fall and the Saturdays. But this is different, a different feel than what we've seen in the past. Like they're doing things the right way. Now, can you argue Clay Helton should have done this from year one and not wait till year five? I 100% agree. You needed to get not a comfortable staff but a kick-ass staff. And I think this is more of a kick-ass staff. Uh, and the previous seasons, I think he had more of a comfortable staff. No, you're right. Uh, exactly what you're saying. And, uh, and nobody, and I, I'll say this, and it'll probably make everybody, so half the group uh, get mad. Uh, I like Clay Hilton. And, you know, I want him to be very successful. I mean, the Trojans are successful. And whatever it takes to win, if they've done what it takes to win and the players buy in and the coaches buy in and he's able to put this program back together, everybody should be excited about it. But you can't be a nicer person to have these things happen. Yes, he's made some mistakes. Yes, I've been critical. We've all been critical. But I've never said I hate the man. I've never made these type of personal statements. My statement is, hey, I want SC to win. I want them to do whatever they need to do to win to make the necessary changes. They decided to keep Coach Clay Helton. Now they're going this other way. I hope he's very successful. That means the Trojans are winning. Yeah. All right, we got a, a voicemail and one more email to go. Let me play the voicemail for you, Coach. Hi, Paris. Hi, Curtis from Moreno Valley. What are you going to do now that Clay Helton has gone to a dark place on defense? Helton haters. We're going to be nasty on defense. And, we're, of course, we're going to score on offense. If we uh, let Marquis Steph uh, be the one that is uh, the love of Clay Helton's life and not go by who's better, who, who, who he loves the most, just let the best running back play, we're going to have a good team. We're going to win. What are you going to do, Helton haters? Well, you know, we talked about that early, Curtis, and I love hearing you call in, and I thank you. Uh, in the spring, they've got to develop toughness on the offensive side of the football at the same time, and that comes through the running game. We talked about that earlier. And I think they can do a lot to improve things that they haven't been good at. They, we know they can throw the football, and I think Steps is a great running back, and I think Malapi is a great running back. I think Carr and the young kid that came in and played last year, they're all capable players. But you got to get them on the field, and you got to build the offense to where they can be successful with it. And you need to develop that and put it in place. And the spring is when you can do that, especially when you have two quarterbacks. We mentioned a while back that you don't want to get hit in the passing game. You put your play-action pass together, move the pocket, do the things that are necessary to develop that part of the game. Goal line offense, jumbo offense, delay a game, all the different things, go on the center, you know, quarterback sneak, you know, you do all these things, except you do the quarterback sneak actually with Matt Fink. 
as far as live. But you do it. You get off the football. You got to get in the end zone. All these different things. So, you know, we've talked about this earlier, but since you asked that question, I just sort of mentioned it again. All right, Coach, we got one uh, last question for you. It's an email from David from Behind the Orange Curtain. Winning the fans back. There's a rumor that the athletic director or COO monitor the P. He's talking about the Peristyle R uh, message board. It's not a rumor. Um, yeah, we know Brandon Sosna, who's the uh, uh, chief of staff for Mike Bone, is on the Peristyle often. So he was he grew up a Cincinnati fan, was on the Cincinnati uh, message board. So he knows the message board community well. So it's not a rumor. He's definitely on the peristyle. He said, with that in mind, would you like to, uh, would you like to start winning the fans back? So I guess that's a question he wants to know. I think he wants to know how to win the fan. He's, uh, he's saying, here's how you can win the fans back. One physical practices. Don't say it, do it Two, bring back Reggie Bush. The fans may have low, a low opinion of Clay Helton, but the NCAA is a close second. Three right behind the NCAA is Larry Scott. USC start holding him accountable for ditch the playpen for the press. It just makes us believe you're trying to hide something. David from behind the orange curtain. I know you agree with at least one of those coach. Oh yeah. David, uh, you must be one of our orange curtain guys or whatever you want to say. One of our playpen guys. And when I see Mike, uh, I'm going to talk to him about it. You know me, I'm going to talk to him about the freedom of the press as far as it practice and so on. And we're, they have drills with people standing in front of us and so on and sort of rude. And the people and media people can't see or move anywhere and so on. And he has to trust the media as far as not breaking compliance rules and so on and be in a position to be able to comment on what they see at practice and move the individual drills and do these type of things. I'm going to mention it to him. If he decides not to do it, that's his choice. Also going to mention it to him as far as having on hot days, possibly water out there for the press and chairs for the press to make them comfortable too, as far as making them feel like they appreciate the coverage that we give them. And I think that's just part of gratitude and making it big time in first class. And when I was at UNLV, I know it's very warm there or Pasadena city college or long beach or Hawaii, where I coach these different schools. I made sure that someone was assigned when they moved each group that had water for them or anything they needed as far as who's that guy or who's that guy and where did he come from? or how come he's not injured, or whatever, or why is he injured? And we gave the information out to the media because we wanted to be a friend of the media. We wanted not to hide things from the media, because when you try to hide things from the media, the media doesn't like that. So they start doing their own investigating reporting. So you have an open relationship when you say off the record it means something, or this different type of trust that you have. But you don't do it the way we've done it the last six years or eight years or whatever by being in a 10-yard area with a rope around it with uh, people standing in front of us and trying to get us to really be happy about being at practice. So when I see him, I'll call him over. I haven't met him. I'll introduce myself, and I'll mention this as a thought as far as ways to improve it. And, David, we've heard that the practices are going to be physical. We got to – you can't – show it until they put the pads on. So we'll see, but they're saying that at least, um, the Larry Scott stuff, when Mike bone came on the podcast and said, everything's on the table, that's about as shot uh, much of a shot as Larry Scott, as you can take. So I think he's doing that. Uh, and the bring back Reggie thing. I don't think we can see about that until June. I asked Mike bone about it, but 
that's not really something they can do until the 10-year thing is up, which is going to be up in a couple of months. So it looks like they're on their way to doing those things, uh, David. So hopefully that helps. Well, at least he didn't get a life sentence, you know, the NCAA. You know, they really gave it to USC, and I wasn't happy about that, the way that was fought. Yeah. And that was under the leadership of a different athletic director and all of that. It didn't show the backbone that Trojan should have and protect your program and, and protect your people. And to have those type of sanctions put in by a guy that had more sanctions that chaired that committee than any other school, who's unfortunately passed away now, uh, is, is terrible. Yeah. And I've never, I've never liked that. I've always agreed to it. When we start to talk about that, it upsets me that they allowed that type of punishment to happen. The Pac-12 at the same time allowed it to happen. Yeah. So not a happy thing in my mind. No. All right. Well, Coach, great stuff. Um, about 50 minutes or so, not too bad. But uh, we appreciate you coming on, and uh, thanks for doing it a little bit later in the week. And uh, we'll probably get back to our regular schedule next week. Well, Ryan, again, I want to thank you, and, of course, we want to thank all of our listeners out there because without you, we don't have a show. And again, thank you for your questions. Ryan, thank you for allowing me to be a part of USCfootball.com. And buckle up, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. All right. That's the Coach Harvey Hyde. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by USCfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 